All right, well, we got a lot to cover today. Um, one thing is, want to let you know that on every Tuesday we do breakthrough prayer, and we've had prayer meetings at 6 a.m., noon, and at 5 p.m. But starting this week, what we are doing is we're opening up the sanctuary from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Because sometimes your schedule doesn't just quite work in those three hour blocks. But the idea is we want to be a house of prayer, we want to be a place that comes. Now, can you pray for your home? Absolutely. Does God still hear you from your car? Yes, he does. But there is something when we come on that day where we're just, it's, it's an action step of saying, I'm rallying with these prayer points. So there's things we're contending for, and there's things we want to pray a releasing of uh, in the church and uh, over people's lives. And so just any time between 6 a.m. and 6 p.m., if you get a break, whether it's 15 minutes, whether it's 30 minutes, whether you have an hour and a half, it's just feel free to come in. There's no start, no finish time. We just want to fill this room with prayer. And we just want to set that time aside. Many people are fasting, kind of breakfast and lunch up until dinner or whatever you want to do, um, even if you can only make it once a month. But the idea is that we rally with one another in prayer. And we always think of it this way is how many... How much would we want people to pray for us when we're going through something? We want to then take that same energy and pray for others in that same way. So starting this Tuesday, 6 a.m., 6 p.m., come at any time. Okay, we are doing a little two-week series on the resurrection to the ascension. We are talking about Jesus. He's the one that resurrected, and then he is the one that ascended. Uh, last week, we talked about Jesus appearing and our reactions. Now, you look at that and say, well, I wasn't really there. How can I have a reaction? Very simply, because our reactions would have been a lot like those who he did appear to. Uh, we would have either been consumed with our grief that we wouldn't have seen him or he would have concealed himself to us because he wanted to reveal something about our own thinking in that time. He wanted to show us how we, we have the Bible, but how much do we actually read it and believe what it says? And so therefore, when actually what scripture says is taking place right in front of us, we don't even connect the dots and realize it because we're so consumed with the way we want to see things go, the way we want to see it play out. Who here's ever had a stressful vacation? Come on. And usually vacations are stressful. Yeah, sometimes, you know, the tire just blows and or different things happen. But a lot of times it's because when we go, we're, we're so looking forward to this vacation. We're so looking forward to the refreshment because for God's sakes, we deserve it, right? And um, we've saved for it or it seems like, man, if I don't get this one to work out, I don't know when the next opportunity is going to come. And so... We go in with so much expectation and many times it doesn't play out the way we want it to. Uh, I think it may be safe to say the majority of the time it never plays out exactly the way we want it to. Uh, and so in the same way, we go into our life with expectation and when Jesus doesn't play out the way we think he's supposed to, we have the similar response that we have in those vacations, which is, you know, I need this to change and I need it to happen right now, right away, all the way. Okay, today we're talking Jesus ascending and our mission. So, he rose again and he came and he appeared to us. But there was something that took place between um, him appearing, him rising and him appearing to his ascending. And he focused so much more on reminding us 
that the word of God is true. In a sense, calling us, I'm going to use a nice word, silly, for not believing what he said was going to happen and for us thinking that it actually wasn't going to happen and then it happened just like he said it was going to happen. But then third, he sent us with a mission. And he said, this is what you're to do now. And this is what I want to see take place in your life. And so he's wanting to activate. We talk a lot about that, activating. Because many times we think, well, I'm just, you know, I haven't been a Christian long enough. I haven't memorized. Skylar, did you get all the way through Ephesians? Yes. Skylar just memorized Ephesians. So, yeah. Pretty impressive. I'm still working on my first verse, but hey, way to go. We, but we don't, we think, well, I haven't done this and I haven't been able to achieve this. And so we limit what God could do in and through us. But activating means that it's already in you because he designed you and me. He made us unique. He made us the way we are for a reason. And usually the, the issue isn't that we haven't been equipped in something. It's that we haven't activated it. Yeah. And we can't activate it if we don't believe it's there. And so I want to encourage us is that there's so much more inside of us that God put in every single one of us, regardless of our background, regardless of who your parents were, regardless of the mistakes you made. There is things inside of you that God wants to refresh. He wants to breathe on. He wants to activate. He wants you to get excited about and, and let that stir up inside of you. And none of us, none of us were called to be a spectator right. or to be sidelined. We all have different roles and we're not supposed to get into comparing our roles and to, well, is this one more glamorous than this one or no, it's not that. But one thing is for certain is that not one single one of us was designed to watch. Every single one of us. So therefore, when Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's getting ready to give them a mission, it's not a unique mission just for them. It's a mission for every single one of us. Yeah. We were never, there's, we weren't called to watch them do their mission. We're called to step up to the same standard and to go into all the world. What's the world? The world is whatever is outside of you. And to go into all of it and to preach the good news. What's the good news? That even though you are who you are, Jesus is who he is and he's invading your life and you look different today than you did before. We've said before, Jonathan Owens used to always do the thing, you're somewhere in the future and you look much better than you do right now. You're somewhere in the future and you look much better than you do right now. So we're not who we are right now or where we've been. His love is coming. He's done something in us because he's activating us to be who he's called us to be because none of us are sidelined. None of us are spectators. We're all called. There is something he has for each and every single one of us. All right. So we're going to go, we're going to start here. Then we're going to get in a plane. We're going to fly up really high. And then we're going to go back in time. Anybody here ever want to time travel? So we're going to go back in time and see what Jesus has done. So if you look at the here and now, God is with us. And he is still building his church. There is still a church to be built. And I'm not talking about City Harvest. We're talking about his bride, his church. 
which is all the other churches in our area. We are not in competition with them. Okay, We're not trying to come out with strategies, how to buy out their stock options and how to close them down and morph them into us. We're all his church, and he is still building his church, and he is with us. He said that he would be with us until the end of time. End of time hasn't come. Can we agree on that? And what just went through my head, I had to pause whether I was remembering all the videos I had to watch in the early 80s of what the end of times was going to look. And it was these tanks, and we all had these boils on our skin. And I just remember being freaked out like... Man, this is just a scary place. But, so the end of time hasn't come, because currently I don't got that taking place. So we're still called to build his church. Go back almost 2,000 years, and the, the disciples were planting the early church. And they were starting the church. Before they planted it, they received the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said they'd be better when he goes because the Holy Spirit is going to come upon them. Before they received it, they had to do an act of obedience. And he told them to stay there until the Holy Spirit came on them. They finally had their mission. This is the first time where they actually got excited and believed what he said was going to take place. All the years where he was alive, they just couldn't get themselves on it. And they're not silly. You and I are exactly the same. But they finally got the mission, but they they had an act of obedience where they waited for the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon them. Jesus told them to wait, and then he vanished. Talk about a dramatic closure. You know, we talk about mic drops, like, you know, someone said something, it's like, ooh, mic drop. You know, but I mean, he sends them this charge, tells them to wait, and then he's gone. But right before he did that, he sent them on a mission. And he told them what their purpose was. He didn't tell them about a little tour they were supposed to take, a little vacation, um, a a hike that they were supposed to go on, a little journey, a a, a one-year stint with a missions organization, or it wasn't something, it was, this is who you're called to be, this is your purpose here on the earth, this is where you're going and what I want to empower you to do. So he put them on mission. Jesus and the disciples, you know, when he was with them, many of them were depressed and sad when he first appeared because they, 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 they thought he, he was gone. It didn't make sense to them. It didn't fit their paradigm. But it's interesting, the second time he left, all of a sudden they were filled with joy. Luke says it this way in uh, chapter 24, verses 51 through 52. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. So they worshipped him and then returned to Jerusalem filled with great joy. There was now a joy. Why is it, though, that that finally happened? I believe because they finally, it finally clicked in their mind who Jesus was. What their idea of what a Messiah, a Savior, was going to do didn't match what Jesus was trying to do. But they finally reconciled it, and then they finally saw and grasped their role in it. And in that, joy came. So once we know who Jesus is, and we truly believe in what he's capable of, and we realize who we are and what he's asking us to do, there we find joy. Before that, they were saddened, they were depressed, they had grief, they had strife, they had competition, they had doubt. 
They had all these things because their paradigm, actually, they weren't actually looking to Jesus. They were actually looking at what they wanted Jesus to do. And they didn't see their role in this. They saw their role in this. So they were full of all those things. But as soon as their eyes got fixed on who Jesus really is and realized who they really were, all of a sudden, a joy came because it all finally made sense. So our mission, these are his last words to us. In John chapter 20, verse 21, says, again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. This is what he's telling them. As I came here for a purpose, as God sent me down to earth to take on flesh in human form as Jesus Christ, I am now in the same way sending you to go out. You are going to be the instrument. You. Everyone say, me. Me. You got to say it like you believe it. Me. Me. Let's shout it a little bit. Me. Me. He's sending us. And just as the Father sent him, he's sending you. He's sending me. He's sending each one of us. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Means he has the power to do what he's about to say he's going to do. Okay, so he's establishing that. Therefore, so based on the authority and the power that I have in in heaven, therefore go and make disciples of which nations? Which nations? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. You know one of the best ways to teach someone to obey all the commands God has given them? To live it ourself. The whole caught versus taught thing. How many of you have ever had someone try to teach you some things and it was really hard to learn from them because they weren't living it themselves. Don't point at the person, (laughs) especially if it's me. But you know what? We live it ourselves. So teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you because you're living it yourself and they catch it when they see you walking in it. When they see you walking in it, they're going to say, what's different about you? Why do you have peace right now in all that's going on in your life? And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So Jesus has given us a mission. He's given us something very serious to do. But being who we are, Many times we get distracted. We get distracted by the new vehicle. We get distracted by upgrading the house. We get distracted by the new furniture because the current furniture is out of style. We get distracted by the new clothing. We get distracted by the new tool. We get distracted by the new, well, you guys get the point. I won't keep going down all the things. 
the new video game. Uh, how many, I don't know how many of you guys were here, but I think it was the Thanksgiving service when we were doing what we're thankful for, and there was a young man that came up here, probably around 11 years old, and people are going through, you know, <laughs> Jesus healed me of drug addiction, and and this thing, and this thing, and then he's just up here, and he gets the mic, and he's like, we're like, what are you thankful for? He's like, my Xbox, and everyone's just like, yes, someone who's, oh, I was just, it was perfect. We all needed that in that moment, but we get so caught up in these things that we get distracted because of our time schedule pulling over and talking to the person on the side of the street. We get so consumed with our judgments because we become, you and I are just like the Pharisees. There is a Pharisee in each one of us. We get so impressed with what we've overcome and what we know and, and just kind of how we carry ourselves and our cadence where all of a sudden we start thinking we're better than the other people. We start looking down on them like they're less, forgetting where Jesus took us from, forgetting where without him and his love, where we would end up being. But we forget the mission. So we're going to listen to a song here in a second. It's a song by Keith Green. Anybody here know who Keith Green is? Um, I'm going to admit I never actually, he died in 1982. I was born in 1978, so I was about four years and I think about three months, two months, when uh, Keith died, and so I wasn't really rocking out to Keith a whole lot. Um, I didn't have him, I don't think they even had Walkmans by 82. Anybody remember when did Walkmans come out? Was it 82? They were around in that 82? Okay, they were. Got a big strong yes from our 80s contingency over here in the, the front area. Um, but Keith Green, uh, he, was, he was fanatic. And he kind of was folksy in his music, but he, his words are powerful. And he wasn't trying to, in a sense, fluff up the church. He wasn't trying to sell albums because he encouraged you to where you just kind of wanted to float your way on out of there. He kind of came and said, this is who Jesus is. This is the mission. So we're going to listen to a song. And um, not to beat us up, but hopefully that we get challenged. Okay? So will you play that song? Nice and loud, so it like pierces their souls. <laughs> do you see, do you see all the people sinking down? Don't you care, don't you care? Are you gonna let them drown? sheds one tear but he cries he weeps he bleeds and he cares for your needs and you just lay back and keep so Just we 
myself? Yeah, I did. When we started the church, our original mission statement was extending the kingdom of God by planting churches and cities in nations all around the world. There was, you can see a theme in that, that Bob and Sue had in their hearts what they felt God put on them to do. Because knowing they didn't want to just gather people to, yes, bring comfort, Yes, bring healing. Yes, bring truth. Yes, teach truth. All of that. But not for the sake of us, as the song said, you know, like being so well fed. But we don't do anything with it. But the purpose is to extend the kingdom. Not my kingdom, not your kingdom, not the kingdom of City Harvest, but God's kingdom. The kingdom of God. By planting churches and cities and nations all around the world. It was to give us perspective that what we're doing isn't just for here. It's not just for me. It's not just for you. It's for the sake of the world. Yeah. 
It's the same. It's, it's coming out of the mission of what Jesus asked his disciples to do. He says, the power that I was given as I was sent, so I'm sending you. And he's equipping us to go out into all the world. You know, even as our church and as we approach the transition, a lot of times one of the biggest things people always want to ask is about the changes. Kind of give me the lowdown. What's going to happen that's going to be different? When are you going to do it? How, you know, how long are they going to be on their sabbatical before you kind of pull the cord? And really let the cat out of the bag on what you're thinking. You know, I believe that just like the body of Christ, each one of us is different. And God has equipped us with different personalities to represent him and his character. So God has called different churches to represent the body of Christ in different ways. And that's why we need different churches. Because different ones attract to different people and, and, and reach out to different people. We can't be everything. And so I believe, though, that God puts a call on a church that, that is supposed to outlive its leaders. Because it's not based off of the leaders. It's the leader's job to steward that call. Do I have a personality? Absolutely. Do I have passions? Absolutely. Does Bob? Yes. But the call is what he's called City Harvest to be. And who he's called us to be. This original mission is a major part on who we're called to be. But there's a cost to it. Because when you send... It costs. It costs money. It costs relationships. It costs people. You, you, a lot of times, if this is really what you're doing, you don't build into some big major place where we're just building a bigger auditorium and then a bigger auditorium and then a bigger auditorium because it's not about building here for us. It's about sending out for them to represent him. And so there's a cost to it. I want to play two, uh, two prophetic words. First one is from Matt Moult. He was just here at the beginning of April. And towards the end of his message, he had something that God put on his heart. And uh, let's play that one first. I'm going to tell you one prophetic word, and then uh, the rest is for tonight. But I saw this church when I was praying. I'm done preaching. I just want to pray this. Um, I saw this church, and it was like, if you were to drive from here to Tri-Cities, you would turn the corner at Hermiston, Oregon, and there's a giant FedEx distribution plant there, hundreds of FedEx trucks. And I saw this church, and it was like the trucks had gone out delivering and giving out so much. And I saw trucks that were just different driving in and they weren't, they weren't there to pick up. They were there to deliver. And I just saw the Lord, I believe the Lord was saying this, that God is going to take the years of distribution from this house. And he's actually sending reinforcements. He's going to begin to restock and resupply. The days ahead are better than the days behind. And that God has great plans yet for the future of this house. 
None of the decisions have been by accident, says the Lord, or by default, but the decisions have been by the hand of the Lord. The future of this house is in the hand of God. Even the position of this church on the map, the people that are here now and the people that are coming, all determined by the hand of God. And the Lord is going to open up the waves and the doors for the unsaved once again to come into contact with the God of heaven. I just believe that God is going to begin to bring things here that have been sent out from here in the future. You know, if you've seen a distribution center, it's a big square box, concrete, a lot of bay doors, garage doors. Trucks come into one side, forklifts come, unload supplies, bring it in. Then it gets divvied up because all these supplies from one business are coming in here and it's getting moved around and all these ones here. Then they're going on to another bay of docks that then take a little of this truck's inventory and a little of this truck's inventory and a little of this truck's inventory. And they get sent out to where then they're taking that and they, they divide it up and they go. And that is who we're called to be. There is an anointing on City Harvest to do that very thing. The goal of that with all the trucks coming in is never solely for the purpose of just to get the warehouse to be bigger. If the warehouse needs to be bigger to supply all the trucks coming in and then all the trucks going out, so be it. But the idea is for it to be a place where stuff can come in so that it can go out. God's blessing is in our obedience as we do that. Will you play this next one is a word that, that God uh, spoke through Doran Olin. And uh, here um, about a month and a half, two months ago, uh, kind of on the same vein. For the Lord would speak clearly, distinctly today to this house. Lord would say unto you, have I not said that my house shall be called a house of prayer? And you have honored that. Leadership has moved you to be prayer warriors, to be encouragers. Lord says that you have valued my word. It is precious in your sight. Do not take it lightly when the Lord comes to speak to you because he has a sovereign will for this church, a precious calling. It is not just about this church. God's heart is for this church, but this church is a vehicle for God's purpose. You are his workman. You have been called to the fields of harvest. Lord says today, I am putting something else upon this house, a deeper calling, a more powerful calling. For this house shall be known as a house of the sent ones. For I am sending out more and more and more. And you may say, Lord, that's too much. You put too much on us. But the Lord says, no, for I am sending in, in, in. My hand of blessing shall rest upon this house. And you will receive many things that you have hoped for and believed for, yearned for even, 
cried for. Lord says today, I am honoring your prayer. I am sending out more to preach my word, my precious word, the word that gives life to the dead, that brings them back, that restores, that heals. Oh, what a great calling today that the Lord has placed upon this house to be sent ones, to be life givers, to care for those that are lost and dying as I care for them. For my heart is for them. My heart yearns for them. Oh, that you would have my heart today. Hear the word of the Lord. For he cries to his church. I'll be faithful to this hour. Do not wander away. Do not be distracted. Do not be caught up in the cares of this world and this life. But cleave to me. Hold fast to me. Believe in me. For I am the one that gives you life, eternal life, a life that cannot be taken away. For you will be called the house of the sent ones. The sent ones, Isaiah 6, 8. Then I heard the Lord asking, and I, this verse always hits me because I think of every single neighbor I have that Jesus loves and he just wants someone normal to go to their door not to sell them something but to love them I think of your coworker, think of your classmate think of your family member the person that's estranged yeah they hurt you they hurt me but he's saying he's looking around saying who who tell me who who can I send who will go who will take it seriously and go? Whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. Man, I want us to be that place. I want us to continue on the vision that God birthed his church in. That we continue in seeing that we are being sent locally to the places where God has given us influence. But also there will be those that are raised up that are going to be sent to other cities, sometimes to even other churches. Oh no, in the city? They're going to go, don't, don't we have all our members sign a do not compete order? No, they might, who knows where they're going to be sent because they're not ours. They don't belong in that way. Are we a family? Yes. But we want each one of us to go exactly where God wants us to go. Whether that's, we're shooting this arrow three blocks to the east, or we're shooting this one 4,000 miles to the south, wherever it is, we want to be who God has called us to be. We're talking about this because this is serious. And this is directional. And because there's a cost to it. And we have to embrace that. And we have to know. We're also talking about this because God wants to activate something in you. Yeah. 
You might be sitting there thinking, ah, oh, well, this is cute for the crazy, the wackos that want to do that, but not me. I'm to this or I'm to this. No, you, me, we're all called. We're also talking about this because in our family, in our church family, there's a family that is currently saying yes to God. They're saying, here we are, send us. Here we are, we're ready, God. Here we are, we're willing to go for you, Lord. We see the need. We have to remember, though, that even as those words said about the FedEx distribution center, or the word that came through Doran about us being a house of prayer and valuing the word, but that it's not just about us, we are a vehicle. And there's a deeper, more powerful calling, the house of the sent ones. And we might say, ah, this is too much. And he says, no, I'm going to send more in as you're obedient. One thing I can tell you over all the years, we have never lacked leaders. And I've been around and the majority of those that have been sent have been close friends of mine. And I always think, Lord, how in the world are you going to fill this person's shoes? And it's not like our leadership pool just looks like this. And it's like, you know, I guess you'll do. I mean, maybe. I mean, you're not that person, but okay, I guess if you're willing. No, God brings exactly what we need in that moment with the strength and the, and the vision and, and, and the energy to exactly what we need. But Isaac and Noel McKinley are being called to Detroit. And we are going to be sending them out September 25th of this year. It is the craziest thing. Every single person who would ever write uh, what to do in the middle of a transition or right after you transition, this is probably the thing that they say, please don't do this. It's crazy. Well, you know why I love this? Is it's prophetic. And it's us saying, no, we are crazy. Because we're crazy about the mission of God. We're going to make a statement right off the get-go that it isn't about us. It's not just about building our kingdom or our influence. Yes, we want an influence, but we want God's kingdom to be built and so we're stepping out in faith right from the get-go and say we're willing to do this so will you just welcome Isaac and Noel as they come up and share their heart Just following one step at a time. God, what do you want? What are you doing? And our heart was really 
just going to say yes, we're going to do it. And so when we came here, um, we didn't know what plot we were getting into, but uh, we went through a prophetic assembly to start. And uh, I was probably around the first or second year we were here. Lots of prophetic words were given over us, really encouraged us. And then Pastor Bob, uh, at the very end of our prophetic word, got up here and said, I believe God's telling me, and you didn't even really notice at that time, that God's going to plant you as a church out of here someday. And that was 10 years ago. And so since they wanted, let, just to give you some context, that was way off our radar, way off our grid. I was like, I didn't want to be a pastor. I had a finance career. I was starting. It was great. We had other vision, but God spoke that to us, and we, we treasured it, and we're giving God our, our heart. And we went home, and I kid you not, Noel and I laughed. We're like, this is crazy. There's just no way. We couldn't see it. And we even joked, we said, what is, if we were to go anywhere and do something as a family, where on earth would God send us? And we were just playing, playing with the Lord, just, you know, laughing about this. And we said, it's going to be like the last place you would ever expect, somewhere not glamorous, somewhere not, like, we wouldn't fit in there naturally, but it would be God. And I kid you not, at that point, 10 years ago, the place that came out of our mouth as a joke as a family was, it'd be like Detroit. Like, that's where we, <laughs> that's a joke. And so over the years, we would joke about like, yeah, you know, when God sends us to Detroit, you know, and it was just, it was a joke, straight up joke with us and the Lord. And then we just continued to give ourselves to the Lord. I was giving myself to a career being, you know, excellent and, and being an evangelist in the workplace and all this stuff. And we started getting more and more involved and God drawing us deeper into things and asking more of us and us taking risks and growing in faith and um, growing in ministry. And so we were doing young adults, you know, praise team, um, all this stuff, just giving ourselves to City Harvest and the mission of this place, not knowing that we were being, not knowing that the, that this, the DNA of this place was like, taking a hold of us and changing us from the inside out. It was just one step at a time, one step at a time. And so then we're in ministry, we're doing stuff, life's good, career's going great. And I'll let Knowles tell uh, something that happened that really changed our mindset for the nation. Global heart. Oh yeah. So we just, we just kept saying yes to Jesus and, um, if you were at our house church, woo-woo, young adults, um, you know, every time we had a global worker come to come back from the field, we would have them come and share their heart um, at our, in our house, and we would have a time of prayer, and that just kind of led us to, you know, say yes, and we just want to see the unreached people groups of the world be saved, and so that kind of led me to... Um, praying for the nations. I took this 30-day challenge to pray for the nations. And um, it was a really special time. It was um, a really changing time. And so we just started praying. And that's when our heart kind of switched from, okay, let's just, you know, do the average American thing to actually, let's say yes to Jesus in, in any way that we possibly could. So we started trying to get uncomfortable in many ways and dying to our flesh. And um, yeah, just praying for the nations. It was miraculously birthed of a uh, heart for um, Muslims, totally God-given. Um, 
you know, Tiffany Gipp, um, she's overseas right now, but she sent an email and was like, can you guys pray for this lady? She's a seeker. And so we just really started interceding. And I can't really explain to you other than that it was God. He just kept waking Isaac and I up to pray for this lady across the world. And, and, um, and I heard the Lord say, Noel, if you give yourself to praying for the Muslims, you're going to see a great revival for, for the Muslim. And um, I've just cherished that in my heart. And then I've told the story here on the stage of my friend who he said, God said, have eyes to see. And I was driving and I, I picked up Harrison and she was a Muslim woman. She had just moved to the area and we became such good friends. But it, then after that point, it seemed like Every time we would go on outreach as a family or we would sell, sell things, um, it would be people that were of um, the Islam faith. And it was just, okay, God, what are you doing? And so um, we started taking that seriously. <laughs> Thank you. No, we didn't practice this. Uh, <clears throat> but yeah, God really started putting... Muslim people in our path. We became really good friends with what turned out to be this notable family from Saudi Arabia. They connected Noel. Noel is actually super popular on Snapchat of all things. She doesn't have any social media except for Snapchat because she, I'm not kidding you not. She's got all these uh, Saudi women who follow her on Snapchat and she's preaching the gospel through there. And this guy, this, he's actually an imam of a mosque. Like he's a lawyer uh, in Saudi Arabia, connected us. So God really in the middle of not knowing where we're going, still Detroit's a joke, having a heart for Muslims, no idea why, still praying into it, eating food in, in, in our new friend's apartment, on their floor over a pile of rice, talking to a, a woman who has never talked to a man before. Like this is the kind of situations we're finding ourselves in, just in daily obedience. You know, it's not like, it's not like we're seeking this out, it's just that we're just saying yes. And so step by step by step, and then, I'll fast forward a while, because we don't got time. We got, I'll tell you the story later, but fast forward a long while. We, God dislodges me from a, a nice career in an investment firm, a, a job people would kill for. It, very you know, strange for me to leave that. Dislodges me from there and, and brings me here for a couple years. Still here now. Um, <laughs> but... Knowing that God is like doing something, not quite knowing what it is. He's told us we're going to do something as a family and starting to feel that happen. And then the grace is starting to be there for that. We're starting to dream. And then Pastor Pete sends me a text message. He hears through the grapevine somehow that uh, Detroit is a joke for us, okay? He hears it somehow. And, and I don't know what happened, but Pete knew something I didn't. And he, he Google searches uh, uh, Arab Americans in the North America, and the first Google search, there's a screenshot, he screenshot and texted it to me, and it says that Detroit, Michigan is the Arab American capital of North America. It's, it's the highest concentration of Muslims in North America, is Detroit, Michigan. And so we had a jaw drop moment at that, and we're like, oh, is this God? We still didn't really believe it was God. It took a lot more to get us to say yes to a place like this. If you ever been to Detroit, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> it's gritty, gritty. Uh, um, but that really softened our heart to the idea, so I blame that heavily on Pastor Pete. And 
God, we, we fasted, we visited, we just got back from last week, we're over there talking to King, like who's working in the kingdom, what's going on, and um, have felt the grace of God. Uh, it's still insane, you guys. Like, uh, I don't, we still have a bunch of unanswered questions, but what we do know is that God is with us and that we know it is the Lord. And we're sad and we're happy because I'm looking at family. I'm not just looking at a corporation. It's not like leaving, uh, you know, my profession to come. It's, just, it's, leaving, it's leaving relationships and ties in the way that we know them now. It'll be different, but we will be sent as, as children of this house, as a son of faith to Bob. And, and Pete as a brother. We will be sent, we'll be sent, connected to you guys, but we know it's God, 100%. We wouldn't do something this insane. <laughs> what? And so, yeah, there's this suburb of, of Detroit. Um, it's called Dearborn, Michigan. You, maybe you've heard of this. It's new to us. Uh, this place is, the place, the pocket of Dearborn, Michigan, where we're actually looking to, to live, is over 90%. Lebanese and Yemeni population. There's parts of Dearborn, Michigan, which when I say this, I basically mean Detroit, okay? That are like next door, street to street. There's a pocket of Dearborn, Michigan that actually publicly, I heard it last week, they have the call to prayer, uh, the Muslim call to prayer over the loudspeaker for an entire city. I'm not joking you. This is in the US. This is a place I was sat outside. I heard it last week. There are, there are more mosques than churches. It actually, the Islam, Islamic faith is so aggressive over there that they are literally buying churches with bags of cash. I am not making this up. They are, the, the, the Muslim faith, the Islamic leaders are, are going and buying churches and either knocking them down or creating them into mosques as, as basically a territorial spiritual grab in the area. So it's intense. It's a hard place to go. It's, it's, not, it's not somewhere normally people would choose to go, but we know without a shadow of a doubt, God has called our family there, um, that we've been built, designed, we've got the DNA from City Harvest, and we're actually going to take that, live there, plant there. It'll be not quite a normal church plant like you would think. It'll be a little bit different just because of who's there, but... It's our mission, it's what we're gonna do, and uh, it's wild, but yeah, I wanted to share it with you all and, and ask you to be our family through the whole, through the whole bit, because we cannot do this by ourselves, so. can uh, stay standing um, we're gonna we're gonna pray over them but uh, you know they they're kind of beginning this process 
bringing this public. Um, if you would like to, you know, learn more about kind of their heart, their story, they got a lot of crazy things that have taken place. They have some amazing testimonies. They would love to meet with you. One of the things we say, you know, is there's many ways to support. A lot of times when we hear the word support, we think of money. But one thing that's important as Isaac and as they said, is it's family. So just letting them know that we're with them. That's not like, dude, you just came on staff, you know, like three years ago, like I think you owe us a couple more. When, when, I, when they came on, I, I even told Bob, I said, you know, uh, they're only here for three to five years. And uh, the, the plan was never for them to always be here, knowing that God was gonna send them out. And, but so there's many ways we can support them by um, just rallying around them, committing to be on their prayer team where once they're over there and even as they prepare where you surround them uh, in prayer and be part of that. There is giving financially. And I wanna say giving financially is not just for the wealthy because it is not about the dollar amount. So if you can only squeeze out 50 cents a month, then do it. It's about being part of something and obedient to the amount that God asks us to do. But many times we limit ourselves because we think, oh, I don't have this amount of money. It's not just about how big. It's about you being obedient and partnering with it and, and, and knowing that you're seeding your faith into it. But we're going to sing a song. We're going to pray over them. We're going to sing a song called Send Me. And I just want it to be, this is a time of response where we do answer the call to what is God calling you to do? These guys have dropped everything. They dropped a job where they went down more than half in their pay to work here. Absolutely stupid. <laughs> no one is, is going to Detroit to plant a church. Some would say absolutely stupid. But you know what? God is in it and he's going to breathe on it. And when we step out and do the crazy things that God has asked us to do, he's there and he walks with us and he provides for us and he encourages us and he strengthens us. But let's not just make this about them. It's also about what God wants to do in each and every single one of us right now right where we are. What is he birthing in us? What is he activating in us? So we're gonna pray for them and then you guys can go into that song. Father, will you guys just stretch out your hands? Lord, I thank you for the McKinleys. Lord, they're boys. Lord, I've loved watching them drum in the middle of a service or, or, or play an air guitar in the middle of the service or just pray. Lord, a family that has set its eyes on yeah, being a family and they know they're, they're on this earth and they're gonna live on this earth, but they also know that they're living for you. And so they set their minds to that, they set their energy to that. God, they're loved here because of their passion and their love for you in the way they've loved us. God, let us take that and invest into them. God, with our love, with our prayers, with our dollar, whatever it is, Lord, let us rally. God, we don't know what the future holds for them and we don't know what the future holds for us. Who's gonna take their place? I'm just gonna answer this question in the middle of a prayer. I don't know, but I'm not worried about it because my God is bigger than that. And I know he will provide, the trucks will come in, the, the supplies will come in. 
Lord, we want to all be faithful in our calling. So, Lord, we pray your grace upon them. We pray for continued miraculous confirmations in what you're doing. We pray for open doors. God, just as they have to sell things and prepare things and meetings, Lord, that you would guide them, that they would know what to say yes to and what to say no to. In Jesus' name, amen.